1 Samuel chapter 17, read verse 54. And David took the head of the Philistine and brought it to Jerusalem. But he put his armor, the Philistine, Goliath's armor, in his tent. We're looking at a very difficult subject this morning, just for a few minutes. Goliath's armor. Goliath's armor. Oh, the armor, when it says armor, it's speaking of all his fighting utensils. We read about his armor and his helmet and his breastplate and his shield and his sword and spear. You know, the Lord, uh, David said, the Lord doesn't save with, with you come to me with a, a sword and a spear and a shield, but I come in the name of the, of the Lord. You know, everything he had, all the way down to his shoes, apparently. Um, Goliath's armor. And we're going to look at this. It's uh, the ugly side of the children of God. This isn't a message for the world. It's not a message for the unsaved. It's a message for me. The ugly side of the children of God. Well, what's the ugly side of the children of God? It's everything that I call me. The only thing that's good and pleasant about me is what God has made. His spirit in the evident and fruit of the spirit. You read Galatians chapter 5 and you see the works of the flesh. That's all about me. You see the fruit of the Spirit. That's what God does through me. You see there's a difference. Goliath's armor. That armor, that part, when examined, Paul, when, when Paul saw a figure of Saul, uh, I keep saying Saul, we, when he saw Goliath's armor, what did he say in Romans chapter 7? Oh, wretched man that I am. That stuff I shouldn't be doing, that stuff I depend on, I do it, and I'm not supposed to. And that stuff I should be doing, I don't, because I'm relying on me, Goliath's armor. That part that trusts in self. You you think about some some things about Goliath's armor, that in verses 4 through 7, 1 Samuel chapter 17, verses 4 through 7, it was big, it was heavy, it was burdensome. That's what this sack of filth is that you see in front of you big and heavy and burdensome verses 4 through 7 and there went out a champion out of the camp of the Philistines named Goliath of Gath whose height was six cubits in a span over nine feet tall and he had a helmet of brass upon his head and he was armed with a coat of mail and the weight of the coat was 5,000 shekels of brass you don't you don't mention how heavy something something was Unless it was heavy. We don't, we don't know how heavy David's rock was because it wasn't heavy. This was heavy. Burdensome. And we know how big and massive the giant was because of how big and massive his, his armor was. And he had greaves of brass upon his legs and a target of brass between his shoulders. And the staff of his spear was like a weaver's beam. And his spear's head weighed 600 shekels of iron. And one bearing a shield went before him. Big, heavy, burdensome. That armor was also tried and tested. Look in verse 33. And Saul said to David, Thou art not able to go against this Philistine to fight with him, for thou art but a youth. And he a man of war from his youth. But guess what? David lets us know just logically that he couldn't go into battle with lesser armor because it was too heavy and he hadn't proven it. Goliath had proved this armor to a point. 
And that's what's so dangerous, children of God, is our flesh, we think we've had success in it at times, don't we? I know I do. This flesh has brought me some success, I might think. The armor was conceited, verses 43 and 44. The Philistines said unto David, Am I a dog that thou comest to me with staves? Your armor is puny. Mine is not. You are puny. I am not. And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. And the Philistine said to David, Come to me, and I will give thy flesh unto the fowls of the air and the beasts of the field. Oh, man, he, had, he was conceited in his armor. You got nothing. I got what it takes. You ever been like that in the flesh? The armor was doomed for failure. David told him as much. The armor was a picture of the hearts of men. It is. It's a picture of the hearts of men. So when David takes this armor in verse 54, we might ask ourselves, well, boy, wasn't that dumb? And that's the children of God, typically on the, on the heels of triumph. You know, as, as wonderful as yesterday and the day before was, and we're going we're gonna to have pretty great fellowship. I anticipate great fellowship in the, in the Lord today. Who knows what the afternoon holds? And this afternoon, we might, even in the victories of the Lord, in the fellowship of Jesus Christ, and it just be palpable by all, that it could be that we put the armor of the defeated in our tent. The hills of triumph, the people of God usually do something pretty dumb. What was it? The sin of Achan? What'd he do? In the, in the hills of triumph, he did something pretty dumb. Peter, the Lord was transfigured before them. He showed himself triumphant in his glorified form. He said something pretty dumb. Children of God, please don't reach and hide and store away Goliath's armor as a picture of the hearts of men. So we're going to see some things about the armor that David hid. First, you see the futility of the armor, the futility of the armor. Back in verse 43, you begin reading. And the Philistine said unto David, Am I a dog that thou comest to me with staves? And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. And the Philistine said to David, Come to me, and I will give thy flesh unto the fowls of the air and to the beasts of the field. Then said David to the Philistine, Thou comest to me with a sword and with a spear and with a shield, but I come to thee in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom thou hast defied. Did you catch that? That man in his armor defied Israel. Why would you want to carry around armor? Why do I want to carry around armor that gives me the, the brazen audacity to defy God in heaven? That sounds insane, doesn't it? Why would David want such stuff? This day will the Lord deliver thee into my hand, and I will smite thee and take thine head from thee, and I will give the carcasses of the host of the Philistines this day unto the fowls of the air and, the, and to the wild beasts of the earth, and all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel. And all this assembly shall know that the Lord saveth not with sword and spear, for the battle is the Lord's, and he will give you into our hands. You see the futility of this armor. didn't matter what Goliath was wearing. He could have been sitting in a tank and it wouldn't have mattered. 
The army, the armor of this Philistine is nothing compared to the name and the reputation of the Lord. And you know, there's going to be a whole bunch of people in that great and, and terrible day in Revelation chapter 20, small and great, who stand there in a figure of Goliath's armor when they are judged according to the name of the Lord. He himself shall judge. It's futile. Futile. There is, there is no uh, possibility that the armor of Goliath was going to stand against the name and reputation of the Lord. Remember when we studied the divine warrior in name chapter 1? Who can stand before the indignation of his wrath? Who can Goliath? Evidently not. He was the champion, meaning he was the best of what they had. Yet this chink is the very essence of the armor of false religion. Do this. Do this. And loophole God and you'll win. You see the futility in his armor. He did have a chink in that armor. In Genesis chapter 3, the Lord said, in chapter 2, he said, don't eat it. In chapter 3, they did anyways. What's the chink in the armor of man? Well, Goliath's armor evidently had a chink. What's the chink in the armor of man? Well, he thinks, remember David hit him in the head. He thinks that he has sufficient protection against the name and reputation of the Lord. And that he himself is then equal with God, Satan says, and that's the doctrine of Satan. I will be like the Most High. In Romans chapter 7 and verse 7, it says that the natural man, his mind is enmity with God, opposed, enemy, adversary with God. In Romans chapter 10, verses 1, 2, and 3, in summary, Paul says, hey, look, I bear, I bear record against Israel that they have a, a, a zeal unto God, but not according to knowledge. They're trying to, make, to establish their own righteousness and would not submit themselves to the righteousness of God. In their heads, they think they got what it takes. And in their heads will be their downfall. The armor of Goliath. Where did, he, where did David hit him? He hit him in the head. What do you think? That's futile armor. It's not of him that willeth, nor of him that runneth, but God who saves. But you see then, children of God, David, he wanted that armor for himself. He put it in his tent. Deep down, we carry this flesh around with us, and sometimes that old flesh creeps up, doesn't it? And it says, I got what it takes. You know, Lord, in the big stuff, I need you here and here and here and here, but I don't need you over here. I got it. That's a futile way of thinking. Turn, if you will, please, to the book of Proverbs. Proverbs. Chapter 3. Verse 5. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart, and lean not on thy understanding, no matter what you think. In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy paths. In some of your ways, in just the big stuff, you got the small stuff. In all thy ways. Be not wise in thine own eyes. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. That means destroy, bury, get rid of Goliath's armor in all its futility. You see also 
Number one, the futility of the armor. You see also the faultiness and failure of the armor. Verse 49, And David put his hand in the bag and took thence a stone and slang it and smote the Philistine in his forehead that the stone sunk into his forehead and he fell upon, the fa- upon his face to the earth. Again, the faultiness and failure of the armor. While this giant was well armored, even a champion, this chink in his armor was his downfall. What happened in that garden so many years ago? They were persuaded in the mind that it was okay to sin against God. The word chink means a deficiency or a flaw. This giant, his armor, had a deficiency and a flaw, and as it wasn't just one that concussed him or hurt him or shook him up, it brought his death. The wages of sin is death. Such is the case of every enemy of God. You could read in Romans chapter 3 that there is none good, no, not one, and, and how everything out of our mouths of our own natural man is nothing but vile and wickedness. That's a pretty big chink, isn't it? The wages of sin is death. That's a pretty big chink. In the book of Micah, book of Micah, if you would please. Page 922. Brother Gary, Brother Adam, 922. Micah chapter 7, verses 1 through 4. Woe is me, for I am as when they have gathered the summer fruits, as the great leanings, great gleanings of the vintage. There is no cluster to eat. My soul desired the first ripe grape. There's a famine. The good man is perished out of the earth, and there is none upright among men. They all lie in wait for blood. They, they hunt every man, his brother, with a net. They, that they may do evil with both hands earnestly. You see, if you're doing something with both hands earnestly that, and diligently and, and really striving yourself, that means you leave nothing else that you can do. There's only so much a human body can do at the same time. I can't do things with, I only have two hands. They push themselves to do evil. The prince asketh, and the judge asketh for reward, for bribes. And the great man be uttereth his, his mischievous desire, so they wrap it up. The best of them as, as a briar, that is an evident of the fall. Read chapter 3 of Genesis. The most upright is sharper than a thorn hedge. The day of thy watchman, or the visitation cometh, now shall be their perplexity. Faultiness and failure of the armor. That, that is what flesh, the best is as a briar. There's a saying, the best of men is, are, is, are men at best. The best of men are men at best. My flesh and my natural flesh, there's nothing but faultiness and failure in my armor. There's nothing but faultiness and failure in the army of, armor of Goliath. Again, I would ask you, why in the world would David want that stuff? To remember what? Surely we see the glass armor did him no good. Oh, it might have got him out of some scrapes here and there, as my flesh can. But it ultimately did him no good. You see also the fascination of the armor. 
and verse 54, the fascination of it. And David took the head of the Philistine and brought it to Jerusalem, but he put his armor, he put Goliath's armor in his tent. Why would David keep Goliath's armor? I've asked that several times already. Have you come up with a good answer yet? Why would he do that? Well, yes. It certainly wasn't to use it, right? Yet, because Saul's armor was too big. And he believed that the Lord, it was the Lord that saveth, and not with spear, and not with shield. Was it to flaunt it? Yet he came in the name and the reputation of, of the Lord. The, he flaunted the Lord. He, he bragged on the Lord. He expected the Lord. And he saw that the host of Israel was encouraged in the Lord. But to an extent, don't we use our armor? And don't we flaunt our armor? Isn't, isn't pride, as Brother Gary said, isn't, isn't our pride as a usefulness and a flaunting of this futile and faulty armor? That's, that's all it is. Why are we so fascinated with the armor of this flesh? We store it up just in case, don't we? We store it up just in case. Just in case. I know the Lord, He wins the battles, but just in case, I'm going to store it up. I'm going to keep it in my tent. Oh, I'm quick to yield a futile and faulty armor. I'm, I'm so fascinated. Yet how slow am I to trust the Lord? I got this. Well, I don't know if the Lord will get me out of this one or not. <laughs> we might not say that out loud that way, but oftentimes that's what we think. Mesmerized by the qualities of it. There was an old movie that came out 20 years ago, Lord of the Rings, and this guy, this ring, had, had just completely ruined his life, but it was his precious. It was, it was the thing that he had to hold. He stored it. He protected it. He flaunted it. He bragged it. He, he was mad at others who said, you, you no, no, do away with that. And that's often how we are as well. That's how I am. Somebody tells me to quit being so much like myself, and I ought to rejoice with them and say, you're right. I had a desire to be like unto Christ, but I still protect this armor. I store it. Protect it. Even break it out and wield it on occasion. See, I told you this is the ugly side of the children of God because we are sinners. Thank God for grace. You see the flare-up of the armor. We have to fast-forward a few chapters to see the flare-up of the armor. In 1 Samuel chapter 21, 1 Samuel chapter 21, David is on the run from King Saul. Read with me verses 1 through 9. 1 Samuel chapter 21, verse 1. Then came David to Nob to Ahimelech the priest, and Ahimelech was afraid at the, at the meeting of David, because he knew that King Saul was coming, and said unto him, Why art thou alone, and no man with thee? And David said unto Ahimelech the priest, The king hath commanded me a business, and hath said unto me, Let no man know anything of the business whereabout I send thee, and what I have commanded thee, and I have appointed my servants to such and such a place. He was lying. Now, therefore, what is under thine hand, give me five loaves of bread in mine hand, and, and what, and, or what there is present. And, David, and the priest answered David and said, There is no common bread under my hand, but there is a, a hallowed bread. 
if the young men have have kept themselves at least from women. And David answered the priest and said unto him, Of a truth, women have been kept from us about these three days since I came out. And the vessels of the young men are holy, and the bread is in the manner uh, common, yea, though it were sanctified this day in the vessel. So the priest gave him hallowed bread, for there was no bread there but the showbread that was taken from before the Lord to put hot bread in the day when it was taken away. Now a certain man of the servants of Saul was there that day, detained before the Lord, and his name was Doeg, an Edomite, the chiefest of the herdmen that belonged to Saul. And David said unto Himelech, the priest that was there, And is there not here under thine hand sword or uh, spear or sword? For I have neither brought my sword nor my weapons with me, because the king's business required haste. I'm in a hurry. Didn't grab my stuff. And the priest said, The sword of Goliath the Philistine, whom thou slewest in the valley of Elam, behold, it is here wrapped in a cloth behind the ephod. If thou wilt take that, take it. For there is no other save that here. And David said, There is none like that. Give it me. Again, you have a flare-up of the armor of Goliath. We think we're doing the right thing by keeping Goliath's armor. And where was it but behind the ephod in a holy place, wrapped? David himself said, Oh, there's none like it. Give it me. How about there's none like the Lord? I don't need this sword. He will protect me and guide my ways. How about the Lord? He saveth, not with sword or spear. What happened to that mindset? Now David, he he desired a flare-up out of the armor of Goliath, didn't he? Now sometimes we can get so excited too that, oh yeah, you know, I, in, in this holy vessel behind the ephod, I've got Goliath's armor, and it's, it's a good one too. We get kind of proud in the flesh in these flare-ups, don't we? But David was in danger. He needed it. Is the Lord less God? Again, 1 Samuel chapter 17, verse 47, And this assembly shall know that the Lord saved not with sword and spear. Many times David was spared out of the hand of King Saul, not because he had a sword, but because the Lord delivered him. We want so bad to go back and, and fight with that futile and faulty and failing armor. We're so fascinated by this flesh, aren't we? Aren't I in this flesh? What are the things that we name to justify grabbing Goliath's armor? Oh, I was weak. I needed. I needed. I was weak in the Lord, so I needed something in the flesh to make me stronger. Where did? Where is that ever written? Well, I was tempted, so I grabbed. I grabbed Goliath's armor. Well, I'm just a man or just a woman. I, I, I you know, the Lord wasn't sufficient in being my help and refuge in time of need, so I need. I needed this armor that was. Failing and futile and, 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 and totally worthless. It was, it was, it was uh, faulty. It, but I'm so fascinated. I need that armor. I have needs. Well, I can't make it without it. Surely, priest, you must have something here. Yes, there's nothing like it. Even went to a, even went to a priest there in the 
in the place of God saying he needed something other than God. How, but how closely do we follow that? So on, so on. You can come up with your own illustrations of those things. David, oh yes, do you have a sword? Yes, I need, I, there's none like it. Please don't be in denial of storing and resurrecting and flaring up Goliath's armor. In 1 John chapter 1, that armor that is that it, that again was worn by those that defy the God of heaven. Well, what do I wear to defy the God of heaven? This flesh, which is is pictured by Goliath's armor. 1 John chapter 1, verse 8, if we say we have no sin, we're, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. Don't deceive yourself that you're not walking around trying to grab Goliath's armor and store it up in your tent. Or you're storing it away thinking it's in some holy place, but you only use it when you really need it. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness, to, to disrobe us of that faulty armor. If we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. So if you say you don't carry such armor... You're saying he's a liar. That's blasphemy. Please don't be in denial. You know, it's so much easier to to go grab that armor and throw it out of the tent if you know it's there. Right? So much easier. You see the foolishness of this armor. The foolishness of the armor. The word foolishness means meaningless. Meaningless of the armor. After 1 Samuel chapter 21... You never hear about Goliath's armor again. It's meaningless. You know, you don't have another story over here where where David took Goliath's sword and did something else. Where did it end up? Where does it go? What do the works of the flesh, what do they tend out? What do they produce? What of value does Goliath's armor have? He didn't sell it. What did he do with it? The Bible doesn't say. I mean, deep down, I would just be suspecting, but deep down, I would hope that David would get on a boat and throw it in the bottom of the ocean. That would have been been good and acceptable. Do away with it. In Matthew, look at Matthew chapter 12 just for a moment. You know, the reason I read that extended passage in, in in, in 1 Samuel chapter 21 is I wanted you to see this in Matthew chapter 12. This is so important. In Matthew chapter 12, and verses 1 through 4, it says, At that time Jesus went on the Sabbath day through the corn, and his disciples were hungered, and he began to pluck the ears of the corn and to eat it. But when the Pharisees saw it, they said unto him, Behold, thy disciples do that which is not lawful to do upon the Sabbath day. But he said unto them, Have you not read what David did when he was in hunger? And they went, and they that were with him, how he entered into the house of God and did eat the showbread, which was not lawful for him to eat, neither for them uh, which were with him, but for, for the priests only. He was hungry. You know what's not mentioned? The lie he spoke to get that bread, the errand he was sent on. And what else is not spoken of is Goliath's armor. It's not important. If you read the New Testament account of it, you'd never know that he had Goliath's sword. It's meaningless. At best, it's irrelevant. Okay, It's irrelevant to what Jesus Christ said. And it's deceptive unto death at worst, Goliath's armor can be. 
But at best, the works of my flesh are irrelevant and sinful. But at worst, again, they are sins. And they are sins that Christ must have suffered for. If the battle is the Lord's, it doesn't matter what version of Goliath's armor we have on, does it? Does it matter what version of Goliath's armor I'm wearing if the battle truly is the Lord's? I know preachers that can't settle differences, not because of anything else other than they're all wearing Goliath's armor. They all, they're all defy, they defy God because he says that he called us to peace, right? They defy God because they're not loving their neighbor. They defy God because they have these lines that they want to draw because they're wearing Goliath's armor. Now, they don't say they're defying God, but they are. These people won't talk to one another. These people won't reason with and love one another. They, they, they won't see their differences yet in the Lord, draw unto one another in the Lord. And I've known people that have gone decades without talking to each other because they're wearing Goliath's armor. This futile, faulty, failing armor that we're just fascinated by and yet it flares up from time to time in foolishness. Imagine the generational pain that such things can cause. Imagine. Because rather than trusting that the battle is the Lord's, they keep Goliath's armor on and defy God, calling themselves righteous. David grabbing that armor, that sword, out of that holy place, thinking he's doing God's work, but relying on self rather than relying on the God who delivers. Homes are destroyed because of Goliath's armor. Lives are ruined because of Goliath's armor. Minds are corrupted and brought to the, the heights of ego and the depths of depression because of Goliath's armor. General God, Goliath's armor, his, his weapons of war are the picture of every man's armor and rebellion against God. I sin, and when I sin, I am wearing Goliath's armor. And I say Goliath's armor. It wasn't Goliath anymore once he was dead, was it? Now it's David's armor, but David, he relied on those things. He wanted those things. He treasured them. He, and there's no reason. There's no reason whatsoever, no godly reason that he would have desired to have that stuff. If something's futile before God, why want it? If something is faulty and brings failure before God, why treasure it? If something, if something being uh, fascinating, rather, but only according to the sinfulness of the flesh, why store it and put it in the tent? Why keep it? Why guard it? Why call upon it in flare-ups of, of time of perceived trouble? Why hold on to something that is foolish and meaning, meaningless, rather than simply trusting the Lord and doing what He says? What was the godly reason to put Goliath's armor in the tent? There's not one. What was the godly reason I keep my version of Goliath's armor? When I know the battle is the Lord's. You see, when the battle was the Lord's, the assembly knew that the Lord saveth not with sword and spear. For the battle is the Lord's, and he will give you into our hands. But when I think the battle is in mine, well, yeah, I need a sword and a spear, and I need this, and I need this, and i got to provide for this, and i got to make way for this, and i got to justify this or that or whatever. You see? Children of God, I repent of these things. I encourage you to do the same. So often I grab for futile, faulty, fascinating armor, 
it flares up, it's nothing but foolishness. Nothing but foolishness. Yea, rather, I should simply trust the Lord and do what He says. David on the run, he should have thanked God in the house of God rather than asking for ways that he could defend himself. Again, it's the ugly side of the children of God is we're still people, we're still in the flesh, and we still have our version of Goliath's armor. Sinner, you're walking around in Goliath's armor. I don't know if you knew that or not. I don't know if you knew that or not. Goliath died in his armor, and you're going to die in it too. It's faulty in that there's chinks in it, there's holes, there's failings. And Goliath wasn't walking around paranoid. So yesterday, I had a tear in my pants. And Jill didn't tell me till I got home because she didn't want me to be just thinking about it and paranoid about it, Right? So I felt, you know, as comfortable as I feel in my clothes. That's how I felt yesterday. I didn't feel like there was anything wrong with what I was wearing. And sinner, you don't perceive your chinks either. You don't perceive the holes and the failings. And you're trusting yourself. Otherwise, what did I do as soon as I found out? I put something else on. Felt ridiculous. Well, sinner, I encourage you, by the power of God, to see how faulty your armor really is. There's a great big chink in it. There's a great big failing in it. And that failing leads to death and judgment. You most certainly don't want to stand before God in faulty armor. This giant standing before a boy, yet the battle is the Lord's. He fell. What will you do but fall before the Almighty? You most certainly don't want to stand before him in such armor. You know, armor, again, armor are fighting utensils, right? Things that are used in defense and and, and fighting. A covering and implements, if you will. In 1 John chapter 4, there is one true covering. There are no chinks and the armor of God. 1 John chapter 4, verse 9. In this was manifested or evident the love of God toward us, sinners, His people, because that God sent His only begotten Son into the world that we might live through Him. Not die, not die in faulty armor, but live through Him. Herein is love, not that we love God, but that He loved us and sent His Son to be the propitiation, the mercy seat, the covering for our sins. You see, the faultiness of the armor of Goliath brought him destruction. There is no faultiness in the covering of Jesus Christ. Therefore, those who are clothed and covered by Jesus Christ shall live. That's what we just read in 1 John. The Lord doesn't save with sword or spear or any other armor. And he certainly doesn't save according to the armor of your flesh. He won't save you because you think so well or because you do so well. He only saves because the battle is the Lord's. And the Lord saves his people from their sins according to the gospel of Jesus Christ. I would encourage you to see that not only do you have this armor put up in your tent, that you wear this armor every day. And it will fail you. It will fail you. Repent. 
see that salvation is of the Lord. And he doesn't save with sword and spear. But according to Christ's gospel, repent and believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and be saved. May the Lord bless the preaching of his word.